Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. We have a extremely very special guest today, an educator, a father, an artist, a photographer, an all-around Renaissance man, a husband. Like there's so so many things I could say about this person, but um, I'll just let him go ahead and and and, and tell you more about himself. Uh, uh, Mr. Kabir Salam, how you doing today, brother? Doing well, doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, glad to have this time to sit down and talk to you. Thank you again for taking the time out to speak with us today. So um, I wanted to talk. I mean, you do so many things. It's hard to like focus on one thing. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your photography, since that's what uh, I've been seeing the most lately. So um, tell me a little background about yourself and how you began your photography journey. All right. So, yeah, um, I guess you could kind of say it runs in the family, you know, I have to pay homage to where, you know, where it's due. And I really got started with photography from my aunt. My aunt, you know, she's a big time photographer over in New York and really all over. And she like, for example, she shot Jay-Z's first, you know, magazine spread, you know, like she used to be real big in the hip hop scene. You know, she still does her photography work, you know, but she really is who got me started in photography you know, show me how to get my first camera, taught me all the basics, taught me pretty much everything I know, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, um, about photography. So, yeah, it would definitely be my aunt. Come to find out, my grandfather also was a photographer. You nice. know, it's kind of really in the family. Um, and yeah, that that's kind of really how I got started. So I got started with photography when I was maybe 11, 12, and I've been taking pictures ever since. That's wonderful. Um, from what I've noticed, you do a lot of... Um a lot of focus on black love and, and, and focus on, you know, melanated people. Was there any thought process behind that or uh, how did that come about? Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of photographers really have a challenge, you know, um, depicting it's the same thing we see in society overall, you know, Mm -hmm. black people aren't really depicted well, or just sometimes not even depicted at all, you know? So when I first started taking pictures, one of the early, my first experiences taking pictures were really, you know, travel pictures, you know, so my family's from Haiti. You know, I remember the first time I went to Haiti, I had a little camera. It was just a little point and shoot camera, you mm-hmm. know, but for me, that was always enough because my mentality is the best camera is the one that you have. So I was taking a lot of pictures with my little point and shoot camera. And I was trying to capture pictures that were different than the, you know, um, poverty porn that a lot of people take, especially in a place like Haiti, you know, where people are just really focused in on the poverty. And I'm like, there's so much more to see here. There's all this love. There's this ingenuity, you know, there's this creativity. Mm -hmm. I want to capture that side differently. And I really took that kind of mentality that I had from my travel photography. And I've really tried to, you know, infuse it into 
a lot of other places where, you know, a lot of other genres of photography that I do, you know. So when I take pictures, I'm always going to try to put black skin at the forefront, you know, just to really counteract, counterbalance, you know, what that mainstream visual is, you know. Um, and then also I'm always going to try to focus on, you know, telling the story of who a person is. And I think sometimes that kind of influences you know, because I, I, I see the love all around. I do a lot of family photography, a lot of maternity, a lot of portraits. And really, I think love is just a, a part of everyone's story, you know, so really showcasing that, making people love themselves, you know, that aspect of self-love and, you know, showing black skin. And also, I think black people are just beautiful. So yeah. I, I, love, I, I love that. I definitely agree. Um, back when I started, um, there were there was only like one phenotype of, of black person that they were show in magazines or shows and stuff like that. And I wanted to make it a a point to show that <clears throat> that we're not monolithic. We come in so many different flavors, colors, sizes, uh, mm-hmm. with so many different likes, genres. You could be hip hop, you could be rock and roll, you could be soul. Like there's so many different genres of black people. And I wanted to, you know, show the world that, you know, and I see a lot of that in your work as well, too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it you look at black black skin in in mainstream fashion photography, mainstream portraiture. Mm -hmm. And the only look is just like, the only look you really see is super extremely dark skinned people. And there's nothing wrong. Dark skin is so beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know, but when I see it, sometimes I'm like, okay, are they honing in on the, the real beauty of this person's skin tone or are they using it in a kind of, you know, like man, like, Ooh, look how black this person is, you know, Ooh, let's, let's use their skin tone as like a prop. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, appreciate black skin and black people, you know, every shade that we come in, whether it's, you know, super, super dark skin, you know, lighter skin, all the tones in the middle, appreciate black skin and black beauty, you know, and it's not, it's not a fetish. It's not something to fetish over, you know, I love that. Um, how would you describe your work in one word? Ooh. And why? I would say storytelling. Mm. You know, storytelling. For me, you know, that that creative spirit, that creativity, any kind of any kind of creative endeavor, it always starts with storytelling to me. Um and yeah, I feel like in in my stories and over time as I've gotten better it's it's a little easier to do it you know mm-hmm. but i always try to find what is the story that this subject is trying to tell right or maybe a better way to put it is what is the story i want to tell about this subject mm-hmm. and and i try to find the balance between those two things what's the story i want to tell about this subject what's the story the subject is trying to tell me and find that balance and then i'm telling a cohesive story you know and that no matter what it is I'm taking pictures of, I always try to do that, you know. Definitely. 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 Telling. Um, at what point did you realize, okay, this is not just a hobby. I can really pursue this and make some good cheese off of it. Like, wh- what was that point? And have you had anything to overcome? You know, people just see the end result, but they never see the work behind it. Have you had anything to overcome to, the, to get where you are today? Yeah, I mean, okay. Start off with the first one. Mm-hmm. My my view is a little controversial. I do make money from my photography, mm-hmm. um, but I do still view it as a hobby. 
Um, because, you know, I, I found, I've tried before to like go full time. This is going to be my job and it just gets stressful. And sometimes it can, it can pull a joy from what I'm doing. You know, it can pull a joy. So like right now, you're going to be hard pressed to find me shooting events. You know, I'll do it from time to time. You know, if it's a friend, that kind of thing, I'll I'll do events, but you'll be hard pressed to find me shooting events. Um, Just because I'm like, I have, or if it's an event that I really want to take pictures of, Mm. you know, Um, but sometimes it can just take a lot of the joy out of it. You know, just when you're always on that grind, always hustling, you know, and I still want to love taking pictures. And the times when I've done that, that would go into that second question. I found myself where I'm like, I don't even want to pick up my camera. You know, I don't want to go on a walk. I don't want to go take pictures of random things because I'm just so exhausted from, you know, trying to do someone else's work, tell someone else's story. They tell me, oh, take pictures of this. I go, oh, I just take pictures of that. The creativity is out of it. You know, I just go, I take pictures of, you know, an event. And I mean, there's always creativity and everything, angles, stuff like that. But it's not the same, it's not the same type of creativity that I want to do. Um, so that 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 has been a challenge, getting myself out of that funk of being like, I don't, I don't want to do any photography right now because I got this job next week. I don't want to take pictures of anything. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I try to kind of be in this middle ground place for as long as I can. I'm going to try to be in this middle ground place of I get paid. I try to always make sure that I'm getting paid, you know, what my photography is worth. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm very selective about what jobs I take on. And there are a lot of jobs that I decline just because I'm like, you know, I, I need a little more time to myself. I need a little more time to make sure I'm not falling out of love with photography and with my art. It's funny you said that, you know, me being a photographer myself for this, I can't even count how many years, um, I've learned that taking long extended breaks in between, like some days I would just be creative for like three to six months and say, let me take a break for two, two or three months or mm-hmm. maybe even a year, you know, just to, because it's like, you don't want to get squeezed out of all your creativity. You know what I mean? Like a lemon is just a, a shell at the, end of, at the end of it. So I've learned to take extended breaks, you know, yes. from my mind, my spirit and, and just observe, you know, and, and regain that creativity. You know, I, like you said, I, I fall in love in and out of love with photography yes. daily, brother, daily, man. Yes. All the time. And it's not a good feeling. You know, mm-hmm. because you know that inside you love it, but like the motivation is not there. The spark mm-hmm. is not there. You know, you just don't feel up to it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And that that's honestly for everybody who does art, like it's just so important to try to find a way to, you know, make sure that, that you are maintaining that love because you're not in art. Like, I don't, I don't know anybody who is just like, I know what I'm going to do to make money. I'm right. going to be an artist. Right. <laughs> you know, you're an right. artist because you love it. And you're going to try to make money from it, but you're an artist because you love it. And we got to always make sure we still maintain that love for our art. You know, so you know, turn down a job here and there. Maybe you got to raise your prices. You know, maybe you got to be a little more selective about your work, you know, but, you know, if you're doing that, I'm going to take every single job that comes my way. I'm going to just be out here it's very easy to fall out of love with your art 
if you're doing that, if you're just out there like that. What is your creative process like? Um, let's say a client contacts you, has a certain vision. Like what's point A to point Z? What's yeah. that like? Yeah. So point A for me is always going to be getting to know the person. Mm. Um, I feel like I can't take pictures of someone if I don't know them at least a little bit, you know? And so I have a questionnaire, you know, I hop on a Zoom call with my clients and say, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, um, I have a series of questions that kind of help me with my creative process and in, in knowing a person, what's your favorite animal? What's your favorite color? You mm-hmm. know, between these two, water or fire, you know, stuff like that, where it's kind of like a, I call it like speed dating, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm just rapid fire some questions. It really gives me a, a insight into that person's spirit and who that person is. And when I have that insight into their spirit and who they are, it lets the creative vision kind of come to me because mm-hmm. I'm trying to see. And for me, I guess it's kind of like figuring out again, back to storytelling. What is the story that this person is trying to, to show? What is the story this person is trying to tell? You know, like who is this person and what are mm-hmm. they trying to tell the world? And sometimes it's not like the obvious surface thing. So we got to dig a little beyond, dig a little underneath the surface. Um, but yeah, we start there do my interview. Um, and then after that, usually I have to sleep on it for a little bit. Um, mm. so I, I require at minimum that people book with me two months in advance. Mm. And that two months, it's not just to get materials is because, you know, I, I need that creative process, that creative time. I spend about like at least at bare minimum one month coming up with the concept, you know, coming up with the vision, stuff like that. And then the second month will usually be, putting together whatever needs to be put together. Um, mm. So I always try to get people book to book way in advance. So meeting, sleep on it, come up with some ideas, run them past the person, sleep on it again, you know, make some revisions, sleep on it again. And in every, everything I try to do, I try to do something that's unique. Maybe it's something that's handcrafted. Mm. Maybe it's some kind of concept that I haven't seen before, you know, but I try to put something in there that speaks specifically to that person and to me as an artist as well. Um, and then, you know, as we get closer, we just checking boxes off to make sure everything is good. Right. And yeah. And then obviously I'm being a little uh, optimistic in the way I say it. Cause there always is that last minute scramble where, you know, shoots on Saturday and I'm running to 18 different stores on Friday, mm-hmm. trying to last bit of materials, mm-hmm. you know, but ideally that would be my process. So this is a great follow up question. How do you make your clients feel comfortable in front of the camera? Yeah, feeling comfortable. Um, So I always say, like, when you're doing a photo shoot of someone, the the pictures that you produce at the end is maybe a third of that process, Mm -hmm. like maybe a third of it and like two thirds of it. It's how that person feels on the day. Yeah. How that person feels on the day. I know I've taken pictures where I look at them and I'm like, mm, you know, this is not, you know, I like it, but it's not my best. Like, or it didn't show, come out exactly how I envisioned it in my head, you know, that kind of thing. Or like, it wasn't exactly the spec for what the client wanted, you know, but 
for the client, whenever they look at those pictures, even though I'm from my creative eye, I'm like, mm, this is not really what I wanted. The clients, I always want them to look back and have fond memories when they look at their pictures. Right. right? They should look at this picture and remember the photo shoot and how much fun they had, how relaxed they felt. You know, so we get the music going. Um, my team, my makeup artist who I've been working with for a while, been doing my last couple of photo shoots. You know, her name is Alexis. She she is, you know, she is on point. She's real, you know, talkative. She talks to the the she talks to the people. That's big. Mm. I talk to them, having conversation, the music's going, you know, telling them, hey, you know, give them little posing tips and stuff and tell them, hey, we're just out here having fun. That's the main focus. We're just here to have fun. Right. Um, I always tell my clients they can bring people if they want to, you know, mm-hmm. so never block off or say, hey, you got to come here alone. Uh, I know some photographers who do that. Honestly, I think it's a little creepy. <laughs> you, know, definitely is, yeah. then, you know, if you if you're working with, you know, woman, it's a little bit on the creepy side. You know, so I always say bring people. But I tell them just be very careful about who you bring, because the two people that I always say are are iffy. And that's for men or women spouses and 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 mothers <laughs> because sometimes we need that friend that's just going to be the ultimate hype man right mm-hmm. and when we don't have no one there that to do that you know that's the role that i serve in that's the role that my makeup artist anybody else who's on my team they serve in that role where they're just the ultimate hype men but sometimes spouses and and, and mothers can be supportive in the kind of way that's not necessarily going to make you you know, feel free, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, it's supportive, but sometimes you just need to be like, there is there's nothing wrong with what you're doing right now. Everything you're doing is perfect. You look amazing. You don't need to adjust anything. You look so perfect, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the energy like that. Yes, you're doing it. And sometimes, you know, you just got to be careful. So I always tell people, you know the person you're bringing. So if you're bringing somebody make sure they're going to be that friend that is just 100% support. And again, if they don't have anybody like that, or if they don't want to bring somebody, sometimes people don't want to bring anybody, you know, me and my makeup artist, we like tag team, right? We, I mean, yes, you're doing it. You're killing it. You know, and all of those, that positive affirmation, you know, can really make someone feel good. You know, I never say, Oh, you know, let's, let's change this picture a little bit. Cause that doesn't look right. You know, it's mm-hmm. never say anything like that. I'm always just like, yes, you're killing it. You're doing a good job. I show them the best pictures. If I haven't picked out some of the best pictures, I just scroll through it real fast so they can't <laughs> really like hone in and be like, my face look a little funny there. Mm. You know, but making them feel real confident, making them feel real comfortable and just being that ultimate hype man. I love that. And as photographers, we're kind of like therapists in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not like, like for literal literal therapists, but it's like we're we're trying to guide that that the best of themselves to get that great picture. You know what I mean? And I mean it's the truth too, because I think doing a photo shoot can be therapeutic, mm-hmm. right? Like doing a photo shoot can be therapeutic. I always push people like, yo, you turning 30, go do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Go get some pictures taken. You know, you turning 50, go get some pictures taken because that experience, especially if you got a good photographer, that experience will just be transformative in your life, right? Um, recently, I had a photo shoot. She was turning 30. 
she came, she said, you know, I asked her, well, what's your, so, so it kind of goes back to one of the other questions, but it's, it's on the therapy thing. So I'm asking not what do you want your pictures to look like? Because that's one question. I'm asking, what do you want your 30th year of life to look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what do you want year 30 to look like for you? Right. And that's that therapy piece where it's like, this is a whole experience. And I'm not saying I'm a therapist. I'm just saying the photo shoot, the portrait session can be therapeutic. Right. You know, she wanted to be assertive. She wanted to come into her 30s and, and feel assertive, feel confident. She's like, she's been working on it. And she really wants to feel like, you know, like her presence. She wants other people to feel her presence. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the whole time when we're doing that photo shoot, and I, I told, I tell my makeup artist, my wife helps out a lot too. So I told both of them, hey, look, <laughs> this is what she wants. So we got to make sure that, you know, she's experiencing this and she's getting a vision into what that looks like to be confident, to be assertive. So we want to build her up real, like really build her up when we're taking these pictures. My makeup artist, as great as she is, she had a, a thing that she would tell her. Right. So the way she would she she helps with the posing and stuff. She'd be like, you know, in in language, but she'd be like, bad bitches take up space. (laughs) And I was like, yes. (laughs) Like, because there were times when, you know, she's posing like this a little bit. So my makeup artist is like, no, bad bitches take up space. You a bad bitch. You take up space. (laughs) My makeup artist can say that. I don't really, you know, (laughs) I, I can't say that the same way, but my makeup artist can say it. And that's why, you know, the team is great. But it's like you said, for her, that was therapeutic. And we didn't tell her, oh, we're going to make you feel more confident when you're done this. Yeah. We didn't tell her that. But she texted, like, the next day. And she was like, yo, I feel so much more confident after that photo shoot. Yes. I yes. feel so much more confident. And this was just the best way to start off my 30s. And I just feel assertive. And I feel so much more confident. And I'm like, yes, that's success. Whatever the pictures look like, they look like. But that that part, that success, we were successful there. And whenever she looks back at those pictures, those feelings will reoccur in her. You know what I mean? Which is important. Being a photographer, we're here to capture those memories. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's just a family function or, you know, portraits or, you know, bridal showers, like anything, uh, baby photos, like Mm -hmm. those memories are important. We look when I look back at old pictures of me and my mother in our old house, right? I would remember the Sunday dinner she would cook. I could taste it, like literally taste it and hear the music in the background when it's nothing Just there. From all looking at the picture. Just from looking at the picture. Looking at the picture. You know, so I think being a great photographer who has that eye, who, who who's able to capture that is is important for, you know, life in general. You know, who who else is going to document us? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And I mean, like, as a photographer, and I think people sometimes don't realize it, but like, we're like historians almost. Yes. You know? um, Correct. But it's like a little different than historians because, you know, historians will write stuff down. That's one thing. But like, there's so many moments in history that are defined by a photograph, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're major famous moments that when you see this photograph, you know, like the, the picture picture of Muhammad Ali standing in the ring. That's yeah. iconic. That's a piece of history. You know, picture, you know, like all them civil rights pictures, all going all the way back. Anytime you have a photograph and before that it was portraiture, people mm-hmm. painting, mm-hmm. right? Those are like 
defining moments that really tell the story of the time. And when everybody's dead, right, the pictures are going to exist. And when those pictures still exist, that's going to be the story, right? Yeah. And that's going to influence people's memories. Like you said, you remembering your grandma's cook, your mom's cooking, right? When you look at the old pictures, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. But as photographers, we're doing it on a big scale. We're doing it on a little scale for like individual families. Whereas like you look at a picture, you remember all these feelings, all these feelings come back to you, right? Um, and then for other people, you, you're doing event photography, you're doing pictures of famous people, whatever, celebrities. It's, you, you're bringing in memories. It's, it's defining a time period, you know? And if it's defining a time period in someone's life, you're documenting it, you're... you're uh, it's like you're packaging it up. And you know how the people put the little butterflies and stuff in the, what's it called? In like the, the resin, the sap or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like we're doing that with the memories. We're taking yeah. the memories, putting in this in this resin. So that way, anytime someone sees the resin, they are immediately transported back to, you know, that moment or those feelings or, you know, what it was that they were experiencing back in the day. Right, right. Um, how important is equipment i mean we live in a time and age where equipment is 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 new year after year you know what i mean and there's like endless strobes lights godox uh uh like everything how how is it important is is equipment and do you have problems like stopping yourself from buying the latest and greatest shit every day yeah uh whoo that that's so <laughs> it's like a balancing act, right? Mm-hmm. On the one hand, right, I say take pictures of whatever you got, right? I always say that. People always hit me up. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a new camera. I want to get into photography. I'm trying to get a camera, and I always got to tell them, look, what kind of phone do you have? I got an iPhone. Take pictures with your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Your iPhone will take better pictures than the majority of the cheap cameras you might buy. And it's easier because you always have it with you, right? Take pictures with your phone, right? So if you're just taking pictures of anything, right? Like you're just taking pictures for your own purposes, right? Then yes, take pictures with your phone, take pictures with the point and shoot, take pictures with whatever camera you have, whatever camera you can afford will be 100% good enough. Mm. On the other side, if you're doing client work, you need to have at least a basic set of gear, if you're doing client work, right? So you don't have to go all the way up. I'm trying to, where's my lens cover go? Hold on. My favorite lens right now, and uh, I had it on my, right now I'm using my, I use my main camera, like my Sony as my webcam, right? Mm-hmm. So I got it behind there. But my favorite lens right now is this one right here. You know, this is my 51.2. Okay. There we go. Right, it's my 51.2. And this is the most expensive lens I ever bought. I'm not gonna lie to you. This cost cost a good little bit of money. Yeah. And it's my favorite lens. I'm not gonna lie to you. The results, what I get out of this, you're not getting that out of you know the kit lens that came with the camera. You just can't. You literally cannot reproduce those results. You can get your framing, your composition, all of that stuff good. And I always say before you go buy more gear, get all of that stuff good first. Yeah, foundation point your composition you know make sure your lighting you understand light right make sure you could do natural light all of that stuff you know and then you could as you make a little more money 
get a little better gear, make a little more money, get a little better gear. And that's kind of how I acquired. Most times, honestly, just work so I could get new lenses. <laughs> so that's why I work so I can get new lenses. That's how I got this. You know, I, I did a couple of um, a couple of portrait sessions and I was like, you know, I'm getting this $2,000 plus lens. Oh, I'm getting it. You know, most expensive mm-hmm. lens I've ever bought. Um, now I'm at a point where I'm actually paring down, going yeah. the opposite direction. So I'm looking at the lenses I have and I'm like, hmm, I haven't shot with this lens in more than a year. You know, if, I'm, if I haven't shot with a lens in more than a year, why do I have it? Maybe I can get rid of it. You know, so right now I'm more in a place where I'm getting rid of some stuff, selling some equipment and, you know, trying to just upgrade the mainstays that I have. You know, so like I got an 8518 still. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've been shooting at the 8518 for like six years now. Um, but I could do it 8514. You know, I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to notice the difference that heavily, like because I don't often shoot wide open. Like every shot I'm taking is not necessarily wide open. So I don't know if I'm going to, you know, but the one four is better in every way, the build, all of that stuff, you know, just yeah. all of that stuff. So upgrading some stuff, going back. But yeah, I definitely do have a problem and I've had a problem just buying equipment, <laughs> lighting equipment. I got like eight different lights now. And I'm like, why do I have all these lights? I use at most like two lights when I do photo shoots. Mm. I don't know why I have all these lights. It's just fun buying stuff sometimes, experimenting, etc. It's just that urge, you know, it's just like buying a new iPhone every year. You know, yep. they create that anticipation on the latest and greatest and all the specs and stuff. But I, my view is if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yes. You know what I mean? And it seems like for me personally, the more new stuff come out, the the older I want to go. Um, we just came back from London and I bought a a, a twin lens, a Yashica Met 124. Oh. Yeah. So um, I worked with film before, but I think I want to just, you know, focus on that now, you know. And, you know, it's just another way to stand out. Where when everyone's going right, go left. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 And I mean, sometimes the the way it forces you to get more creative, mm-hmm. like, sometimes the limits force you to get more creative. Mm-hmm. I traveled last year. Was it last year? All these pandemic years blending together for me. But I traveled. We went to Haiti. And when I went to Haiti, I was like packing my bag. And I was like, am I about to pack all these different lenses? I said, nah. And I packed the cheapest lens that I own. It's mm-hmm. a 45 millimeter 1.8. Like this tiny. Yeah. That was the only lens I packed. No, I lie. I packed that lens and I also packed the 2470. Right. But I said the 2470 is a just in case, you know, I go somewhere, I need to be wider or whatever, mm-hmm. more flexibility. But I shot every picture I took, I shot with that 45 millimeter, you know. And I'm not going to lie to you, the 45 millimeters is a little trash. It's just not the best lens. Yeah. Let, me say, let me not say it's trash. It has character. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes character is just flaws. It has a lot of flaws that give it a little bit of character. Mm-hmm. But I took almost every picture while I was there on that lens. And there were times where before, you know, I might just, you know, I have my camera, I just zoom, get a different shot. You got to walk up. up. Yeah, yeah. So you I'm moving walk around up. more, you know, and, you know, I can't just sit in my car and take a picture of something all the way across. I got to go talk to people, change yeah. the experience. 45 full frame. I got to go up 
and talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm practicing my Creole. I'm trying to speak to people, you know, and it changes the whole experience. You know, I'm sure film does that too. Where like, if you did street photography on film, yeah, like, that's a whole different experience than street photography with a um, with a mirrorless or DSLR. And you have to take your time as well. You know what I mean? You only get 12 shots at most. So you have to really sit there, take your time and, you know, mm-hmm. and create that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not coming back with a memory card filled with 2,000 pictures. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so we're running out of time, but uh, I got one more question for you. Um, what would What advice would you give a young Kabir all the stuff that you learn now, you know, with all the different endeavors that you you experience, um, what advice would you give your younger self, um, I guess, in order to guide you in the right direction? Mm. Um, number one, I would say just start taking pictures. Mm. Go out more, take more pictures, right? Um, that part is so critical. Even now, I have to give myself that advice. Go out more. Just take more pictures. Take more pictures of stuff. Go out and take pictures. Um, Honestly, that's like the number one advice. Go out and take pictures. Second advice I would say, this would be for young me, don't take jobs before you're ready. Mm. Right? And sometimes, like, you know, you might have somebody that likes a picture you took. Come shoot my wedding. And now you out there, you ain't never shot a wedding before. Confused. Right? And you're like, oh, snap, what the hell am I supposed to do here? You know, what, what am I supposed to do? And now, don't get me wrong, you're always going to have that first wedding that you shoot. But when you're at that first wedding or that first whatever, make sure you put in that work, that research. You know, YouTube is an awesome tool. Do that research, do that learning before you, you know, take on jobs. You know, because I, I look back at some of my old work and I'm like, damn. I could have done that better, you know, but it was just, you know, lack of knowledge. And sometimes it's like, oh, I could have gotten the perfect picture, but I didn't understand the lighting. I didn't understand how to work, you know, my on-camera flash at this event. And so my, my, you know, my flash lighting was wrong. I had the perfect composition, perfect everything, but I didn't have enough experience, you know? Um, And then I would say practice, like just keep practicing, practice, 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 you know, um, now I'd be doing that. I'll set up my camera and take pictures, just selfies, you know, just yeah. to try different lighting scenarios, try different backdrops out, just to always try to improve my craft. Um, and then I would say, you know, go out and talk to people, join a community, mm-hmm. talk to other photographers, run your ideas past other photographers. Um, and yeah, just talk to people, but don't compare yourself to them, but just talk to them. You know, um, yeah, and I would say the last bit of advice, you know, that I would give is that young photographers should only follow and look at the work of great photographers. Mm-hmm. This is critical because sometimes we, we, we're looking at these photographers that are not good photographers and we're trying to emulate that because we see it and it's like, you know, so saturated because they bump the saturation all the way up and it's like, no. Don't just follow the Instagram photographers. Follow like the solid in a book historical photographers, you know, the Gordon Parks, like follow the good, good photographers and learn from them before you just learn from YouTube or Instagram or whatever else. Get a book. Very last. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Print pictures. 
Get your pictures printed. Yes. Pictures have to be printed. They both they should be printed. I second that. And um, real quick, socials, uh, website. Let them know what it finds. Shangotade.com and at Shangotade.photo on Instagram and TikTok. But Shangotade.com, S-A-N-G-O-T-A-D-E. 